Hello everyone, this is Vanessa Graulich and today we're going to talk about risk, return, and we're going to start talking about the capital asset pricing model. I want today to show you how we do in math or in finance, how do we measure risk and how do we measure the expected rate of return and then the combination of that is what's going to help you understand the capital asset pricing model which they also call the CAM. So let's first uh, start. Now, I want to show you, I'm using this book as my reference, uh, Financial Management, I think it's Brickham. I'm not sure it's Brickham or Brickham, I have to check that. But this is a great book and I'm putting the link on the, in the bottom so that way, um, you know, you can see like the free resources they have on their website. So first, let's start with risk. So what is risk? The definition of risk is the chance that some unfavorable event will occur. Well, you're really happy, you're gonna go to the beach, but you have the risk of maybe, you know, it starts raining, maybe, uh, you know, for whatever reason, you get into an accident before going to, you know, to the beach. So bad things or what they call unfavorable events can happen. Now, how do we measure this risk when we are investors? Well, when you're an investor, what you want to do is to see how much risk versus return you're going to get from your investment. Let's remember, the higher the risk, the higher the investor's expected rate of return. In finance, this is what we constantly do. You're basically trying to put your money into an investment that has really high return and low risk. So let's define the rate of return and let's do the formula. So the rate of return formula is the amount received minus the amount invested over the amount invested. So let's say that you bought a toy, and I'm just putting an example for $60, right? Um, I don't know, let's just actually make this pen $60. It's a magical pen, whatever it is. And then you go and you sell it for 100. So what is your rate of return? Well, it's gonna be 100 minus 60, divided by how much you spend to get the pen, which is $60. So your rate of return here is gonna be 66.67%. You can use this formula in anything. Basically, amount received minus amount invested over amount invested. Now, when you are an investor, you want to figure it out where you stand you know, with your money. So that's the reason why we use probability. Now, let me just show you here on the screen what is a payoff matrix. So this is just a simple example, as you can see here. And you're gonna see that investors basically are going to sit down and they're gonna say, well, you know, how strong or how normal or how weak do we think the economy is gonna be, you know, in the next year? And, you know, depending on the sales and they get all the big data and then they figure out that the probability of a strong market is gonna be 40% or having like a lot of sales. Normal is 0.30% and then the weak, is going to be 0.30. Notice that the addition always must be equals to one. Now, I'm just putting like an exaggerated rate of returns. If the market is really strong, they're gonna get a rate of return of 40%. If it's normal, maybe 20% to be conservative. And then if the market is weak, ugh, minus 50% rate of return. Then from here, what we're gonna do is that we're gonna find the expected rate of return. All what this is, is the multiplication of the probability of occurring times the rate of return. And look, when I do it, and then I do the sum, 
This is why you have the, the formula here, how I have it in the screen. And let's just read it. It's basically the sum of the probabilities times the rate, and then you do it for all of them. Once you do P1 times R1 plus P2 times R2 and so on, then you add them all, and that's where you get the expected rate of return. Perfect. We see here that our expected rate of return is 7%. Well, that still, it gives me the reward, what I was looking, but now I want to figure out how do I measure the risk? Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to find what we call the standard deviation. When you take probability, uh, probability, no, I'm sorry, statistics, you're going to learn about the normal curve, right? And I'm putting it here in the screen. And you're going to learn about, um, you know, the farther away you're from the mean, that means that the higher your standard deviation is going to be. The same thing happens here with the stocks. So let's do, let's find out the standard deviation of the payoff matrix that we had before. Now notice what we're gonna do. We're gonna have the probabilities like we did before. We're gonna have the rate of returns like we did before. And now we have the expected rate of return. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna do 0.40, which is the probability, minus expected rate of return to the square times the, uh, I'm sorry, the, re, the rate of return minus expected rate of return to the square times the probability. And you can see it on the screen, it's a little bit much easier. Once I do all that, then I find the square root of that sum and bingo, I get 38.94%. Now, this is just a big number, but this is just basically for one portfolio, right? And then when you look at it and you say, well, that means that my rate of return is 7% and my standard deviation or my standard risk, if you want to put it like that, is 38.94%. But it makes much more sense when you have actually two type of portfolios that have the same return, but with different standard deviation. And here is where the coefficient of variation comes to place. Now, the coefficient of variation is going to be very helpful because most investors are not going to have just one return. They're going to have more than one return. And sometimes they can see that the return has the same, I'm sorry, the portfolio has the same return, but it has different standard deviations. Which one do you pick? You're going to pick the one with the um, CV or coefficient of, of, of the lower CV or the lowest, or the one that has the lowest coefficient of variation. For example, let's say that portfolio A has a standard deviation of 10 sigma right there, as you can see it, and then you have your return of 5%, and then B, standard deviation 15%, and then return 5%. Notice that when I do the coefficient of variation, if I do 10 divided by 5, which the definition is just basically going to be the standard deviation over the return, you're going to see that B is way much riskier than A. As you can see here, we can figure out the relationship between the rate of return and the standard deviation by just doing the division. And if you have several projects, then your coefficient of variation is going to help you determine which one is going to have the more risk or which one is, you know, which one has the less risk. So let me just read you this um, definition from the book. The coefficient of variation shows the risk per unit of return and it provides a more meaningful uh, <laughs> basis for comparison than standard deviation when the expected returns on two alternatives are different. Now, 
this is very important because like I said before, when you have a portfolio, you're gonna have many, many, many stocks. So now let's, let's talk about what is called the correlation coefficient. Let me just show you first what is the correlation coefficient. The correlation coefficient, which is the letter, um, uh, it's like a P and it's called rho, is the tendency of two variables to move together. Let's talk about the extreme value. So let me show you this really nice, um, uh, this very nice picture that they have here in the book. And look what happens. You're gonna have here, here what we're doing is comparing the rates of return of two perfectly negatively correlated stocks. And then you have portfolio W and M. So let me show you what this means. Let's make sense out of here. Look at this. You have here a stock W, right? And then you have a stock M. Notice how when a stock W is in 40, a stock M is on negative 10. So basically it goes the opposite direction. When you see portfolio W on M, look at that. It's just basically just one constant line. Now, look at the math on the bottom. Notice that the average return will not change, but the standard deviation if for a stock W, w is 22.64, for a stock M is 22.64, but when you add both portfolios, this is only assuming that the correlation between them is negative one. Look, all the risk disappears. Obviously, this is uh, only in the book, Perfect Life, this does not happen because it will be extremely difficult to find you know, a correlation coefficient equals to negative one between uh, two stocks because again, nature is not this perfect like the book. Now, this is very, very important because what happens, as you can see, remember the correlation coefficient shows you the tendency of two variables, how they move together. So look what happens when W goes up, M goes down. When M goes down, W goes up. So it's like one rescues the other and that's what you want to have. You want to have a diversified portfolio where you know all of them if let's say like all your portfolio is I'm just making an example let's say before the pandemic all your portfolio was basically you know stocks in the movie theater and the gym for example the pandemic happens and boom all your portfolio is going to go down however let's say that you have uh, you had a portfolio that one was um, I don't know Amazon and then um, um, one that did mask, you know, and then you have the one for the gym. As you can see here, one of them is going to perform much better than the other ones and it's going to rescue that loss. It's just basically having like, uh, I call it like a backup plan, right? Like, oh, if this one falls, then, you know, this one is going to rescue me. Now let's see what happens when the two portfolios have a positive, a positively correlation. Now look at this. Let's, let's see the screen. Uh, a stock W and a stock uh, W are following the same direction. As you can see, a stock W, I'm sorry, and, and stock W uh, prime, when you combine them together, look what happens. The average return is still 15%, but the standard deviation when they're both positive, is just basically, you're, you're, you're just basically having the same standard deviation on a portfolio than with a stock by itself. Finally, let's just do a much more real example. Let's say now that the correlation between the two stocks is plus 0.35. Now your, co your coefficient, your correlation coefficient can only go from negative one, then zero, and when the closer you are to zero, 
there's basically no relationship. And then you go all the way to one. The closer to one, obviously it's going to be more extreme. The closer to negative is going to be extreme. And when you're in zero, there's no relation. So very important. If someone tells you that you have two events, A and B, and they are negative correlated 98%, they actually have a really strong negative correlation. So don't think because it's negative, it's not a strong correlation. The higher, the, the, the closer you are to negative one, the stronger the negative relationship between both of them, and the closer you go to one, the positive the relation. Now, if your correlation is weak, it's going to be very close to zero because basically, you know, they don't have, they don't, the tendency of the two variables moving together is not that strong to put it away. Now, look at this one. So here, uh, rho or the coefficient of correlation is 0.35. Notice that now both portfolios, right? You have a stock W and you have a stock uh, Y. And when you put them both together, look what's going to happen. The average return stays the same, 15%. But when you do the standard deviation, notice that your risk actually went from 22.64 to 18.62. Conclusion, and this is the most important thing you will always learn in finance, Diversification does nothing to reduce risk if the portfolios consist of stocks that are perfectly, positively correlated. So you can see here what we're doing is try to minimize risk because when you do the, uh, when you diversify your portfolio, what are you doing? You cannot completely eliminate risk, but you can kind of say, okay, if this one falls, this one will pull me up, like I said before. Now, um, let's talk about the two type of risk that we're gonna find. Well, we're gonna find first what is called um, the, the uh, diversifiable risk, I think I said it correctly. And this one is just basically uh, caused by random events. This one is just basically caused by random events, particularly within the firm. So, you know, what can happen here? Things that you can basically control because they're like a con. Well, it's not like you can control it, but you can, you know, eliminate the risk. So, for example, like random events could be um, they put here like a contract that basically didn't go through, or maybe uh, having a lawsuit. Maybe the CEO did something that you know he shouldn't or she shouldn't have. Now, market risk is the one that you cannot diversify. And it's basically the one that, you know, you, you can suffer because you have no other option. Best example, war inflation, the pandemic. <laughs> I think after they print all these books, there's going to be so many cases about the pandemic that all what students uh, doing their MBA is all going to be and the pandemic and the corona and what happened with this company. So I can't wait to look <laughs> forward those, those cases and see how, you know, how they're going to be handled. But um, then where, where do we go from all this? Now, today we just talk about reward. Today we talk about risk. We talk about the coefficient of um, the correlation, right? Like um, basically the coefficient, I'm sorry, coefficient of variation. And we basically discuss how companies, when they have a stock, how they measure the risk, how they measure the standard deviation, how they measure the return, um, the two types of risk. From here, is when we're gonna start next time, what we're gonna call the capital asset pricing model. This is going to be the following, and I read it. 
This is just going to be, it's an, it's an important tool used to analyze the relationship between risk and the rates of return. You're going to love this, um, the, the next uh, podcast too, because we're going to go, we're going to talk about beta, we're going to talk about the security market line, and you're basically going to understand when you're reading Yahoo Finance, why the stocks behave the way, or basically the math behind that. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this um, a small little lesson about risk uh, return and just the beginning of what we're going to talk about the capital assets pricing model. I thought it was a little bit much easier if I will just subdivide it into pieces. So um, stay tuned that the second part is going to be coming pretty soon. Thank you so much. This is Vanessa and have a math day.